Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, cryptocurrencies are creeping back up, but they're not getting any attention in the media. Surprise, surprise. Are you getting excited about the price action or is this just uh, another lurch upwards? Well, it's a very volatile, extremely volatile thing to be invested in. You know, and we right from the start said, look, you know, we think this is here to stay. It isn't going to disappear. Uh, you know, the Bank of England can call it valueless and the Financial Times can say, oh, it's so typical of Nigel Farage to get involved saying things like this about crypto. Um, and of course, you know, almost the entirety of the Treasury and much of the financial establishment uh, doesn't want it to exist, but it does. So we're 85% up off the lows after the crypto winter. And yeah, you know, Sam Bankman fried and all the terrible things that have happened. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind this is not going away. Uh, watching Elon Musk very carefully, uh, he's changing Twitter in some remarkable ways. You've got to pay 11 quid a month, then I have your blue tick, etc. He's trying to monetize Twitter. I don't think it'll be very long before Twitter accepts cryptocurrency in the form of payment. I think we're heading in that direction. Um, and I, the funny thing is, we in this country, in the UK, we think of cryptocurrencies as a bit like, who's the winner going to be at the Grand National this Saturday? And by the way, if anyone knows, please tell me because I'm going. Um, and, and that's our attitude towards it. Actually, and I was, at, I was actually at an Ethereum uh, mini conference this weekend with, with you know, the guys that run the thing. And actually, this is about much more than a volatile punt. This is actually, this is actually genuinely, I think over the next few years, going to be seen as independent financial sovereignty. Yeah, that word again, sovereignty, that I dedicated so much of my life to, because it's pretty clear that CBDCs are heading down the track and heading down the track actually really quite quickly. And yes, it may only be in 2030 experimental, but that's what they want to do. They, I mean, they, you know, they want us to have a cashless society where they can be in control of everything that we do. And, you know, people say, oh, it's a conspiracy theory to think that, you know, they can stop you booking a flight because you've used too much carbon this year. Well, ANZ Bank, down under where you are, are already looking at a CBDC that actually is pegged to carbon usage. Now, you know, we're heading potentially towards levels of state control that are wholly unacceptable. There's a hundred governments around the world talking about it. And so the only way you get financial freedom is through cryptocurrencies that you can trust, through wallets that you don't think can be hacked. And as I say, it's actually about living your life, making financial decisions um, free from government interference. So I, I, I think post-pandemic, the level of distrust in government is reaching, you know, we all kind of put up with it. You know, during the during the lockdowns, it was never more than about 15, 20% that really objected. The sort of the sort of lifelong libertarians. There are people like me that hate big government and have always but now there's a lot of people waking up. And I mean take for example in this country the Matt Hancock revelations. 
And you realise they weren't using science. They were using control. They were using fear. But I've even learned this morning that Devon and Cornwall police are planning to use drones to try and catch speeders on rural roads. I mean, where does this end? So the more we distrust government, the more we're going to look at Bitcoin and Ethereum, and I suggest they're the two, you know, as a means, as a means of controlling our own destiny without being spied on and potentially without being controlled. So look, you know, it's up 85%. I can't tell you where the next 50% is. It could be up, it could be down. That's not relevant. I think what's relevant is this much broader, deeper debate about the extent to which Western governments are growing and growing and growing and intervening and surveilling our lives in a way that's extraordinary. I mean, it's almost as if our governments want to turn us into China. It's a relief to hear Bitcoin and Ethereum spoken about in those terms rather than this price punting, you know, what they're really all about and the purpose. There was an interview between a person uh, impersonating Vladimir Zelensky of, of um, Ukraine and they were interviewing the European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde uh, and when it was a prank. Uh, but what they actually spoke about was quite serious. They spoke about central bank digital currencies at one point of this interview. I think it was about three weeks ago that this, this aired on YouTube and it's been picked up on social media since. But one of the things that was very clear in that interview is that the, the European Central Bank and presumably her colleagues are extremely concerned about having to compete with cryptocurrencies and currencies issued by the likes of Meta, Amazon, Google, Google's Meta now, um, Facebook and so on and so forth. So they're really worried about this and they're quite aware that launching central bank digital currencies is the counter to that. Uh, and it's this irony that cryptocurrencies are panicking about CBDCs and CBDCs are being launched in order to counter cryptocurrencies. And we're really in for a battle here between private money and, and you know freedom versus an extreme of state control. Who's going to win? That's exactly how I see it. I Very interestingly, she said Christine Lagarde, uh, why she's not in prison, I don't know, but she said in that interview that in October, the decision will be made. Don't believe a word of it. That decision has been made. They are going to do this, be in no doubt whatsoever. Who's going to win? Well, look, they can only stop us taking our own sovereign financial decisions through these new through these new methods if they literally control the internet now yeah in china russia to a large extent they can control the internet and even though i hate uh, what i see as the attack on freedom of speech uh, even the attack on democracy looking at what's happening in america um, I just don't think it's possible or acceptable to mega-regulate the internet, to mega-control the internet. I mean, nobody under 40 would vote for any political party that allowed that to happen on their watch. So, no, I think in the end, I think in the end, freedom's going to win. Let's turn to the financial crisis. The debate is whether it's already over or whether it's only just beginning, or perhaps we're in the eye of the storm. Where do you sit on that? Oh, look, you know, I mean, the credit crunch hasn't yet been realised. Uh, government just goes on printing. Look at America. Government goes on printing vast amounts of money, uh, pouring subsidy into sectors like the green sector at a level that would have been incomprehensible, you know, even two or three years ago. Um, there has to be a reckoning. There has to be some sort of credit crunch. 
I don't know how big or small it's going to be, but the sheer levels of indebtedness at national, corporate, and individual level tells you we simply can't go on like this. Um, there are some saying, oh, well, inflation will come down and interest rates will come down. Well, that will only happen if we have a really, really serious contraction. So, so no, I, I, I think over the course of this year, there are going to be more shocks uh, that will occur. And maybe the rumblings we've seen in the banking sector already are a precursor to that. The direction of financial markets is not just determined by the financial crisis, but also by the policy response. I've got here a headline from The Telegraph, world leaders race to prevent new banking crises. Do you think we're at the phase of the crisis where the response overwhelms the crisis and therefore markets rally? Or do you think we're still in the phase of the crisis where markets will be surprised and shocked by how much is going wrong? Well, look, you know, they've been incredibly good. I mean, central banks have more powers today than they've ever had in the history of mankind. And this is how they've been able to avert all sorts of deflationary downturns that would have been economically quite catastrophic. But the other side of the ledger is we're building up debt in a way that we can't just, you know, pretend doesn't exist. So they can keep bailing out. I mean, look, we wouldn't have had any growth. There'd have been no growth in our economy since 2008, frankly, if it hadn't been the government spending in the economy. And that's a fact that people find it very difficult to face up to. But overall, over that period of time, I absolutely believe that to be true. So they can go on doing it time and again. But in the end, I repeat the phrase, there has to be a day of reckoning. It's coming. Whether it's coming right now or not, I, Nick, I, I, honestly, I don't know. I really honestly, truthfully don't know. The only prediction I can give you at the moment is that it's April and looking out of the window, it's going to rain pretty much every day. That, that's one thing that I can get right. I don't know, but I, 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 I just think we've seen these tremors. We've seen these tremors. And even though they were able in 2008, to pretty much, well, it didn't bat everybody out, did they? Because, you know, Lehman went down, Bear Stearns went down. It's difficult to think. In that sector, there are not going to be some nasties at some point this year. And the central banks can't save everything. One of the key things that's changed is that this time it seems to be sovereign debt uh, that's blowing up and that's the, the source of the trouble, which is very different to having a mortgage crisis because it implies something's wrong with the government's balance sheets, which is exactly what you're talking about with that debt issue. Uh, but let's turn on to this. And it's great nervousness, great nervousness, not just about cryptocurrencies, but actually great nervousness in the Eurozone. You know, and we're not talking about this, but there is great nervousness in the Eurozone of, you know, another sovereign debt crisis coming. And what happens next time? Um, are the North going to go on bailing out the South? Or will we get sort of Cyprus-style bail-ins, you know, where the bank takes money off you? So so, so that that's one to keep half an eye on, I think. I want to ask you about this bizarre political story of the French President Macron censoring a newspaper to whom or to which he made comments about Taiwan. Uh, and I guess it's more about the EU's role in the world stuck between the US and, and China as, as, the, as the superpowers and who they're going to sidle up to and who not and how independent they're going to be. What do you make of the funeral? What a bizarre fantasist Macron is. I mean, his latest is that Europe should not be dependent on the US or China. Well, you know, the idea that somehow the EU is this giant economic house, well, no, it actually diminishes in relative size and strength and value with every single year that goes by. The trip to China 
Uh, now, given those comments about Taiwan that he made, just looks simply like appeasement for financial benefit for a few big French multinational companies. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty shameful. And of course, you know, Miss von der Leyen owed along a good measure. She was slightly stronger in what she said uh, than Macron. <laughs> but no, this this is fantasy island. This idea that the, that, the, that the European Union could be free of China, which I think was an excuse to cover up for what his trip was about, but also he's now chucked in the US as well. Uh, they're just living in complete cloud cuckoo land, you know, with or without financial crises. The EU has been an over-regulated, low-growth model for far, far too long. One of the reasons I wanted Brexit, one of my disappointments that the, the Tories haven't done more with that. Um, now at some point, it's rather like the previous debate, but at some point, uh, you know, the, 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 there'll be a day of reckoning for the European Union as well, because it's not working. It is complete fantasy land.